everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Bulletproof Hygiene. We are super, super excited today. We have a guest, Dr. Uche Odiatu. He is a practicing dentist in Canada. He is the author of The Miracle of Health. He is a double certified yoga and boot camp instructor, and he is a professional member of the American College of Sports Medicine. He has been a guest on over 400 radio and television shows, including ABC's 2020 and Canada AM. And he has lectured around the globe. And I have benefited from his lecturing. I have sat under his teaching um, multiple cities um, through AOSH and the Hinman. And he comes with such a passion and such an excitement for health and wellness and immune support and just you know, living your best life and longevity. And so, um, you know, you can follow him on Facebook. He's got really fantastic content and hacks and tips for healthy living, just really um, usable, you know, tips that I appreciate. And so I can guarantee you today that his number one goal is to ignite your passion for health, not only for yourself, but for your patients. And so Dr. Uche, thank you so much for joining us. We are so, so excited to have you. Um, Today, we're going to talk a little bit about self-care for us as hygienists, but on the front of supporting our immune system. And we know that uh, the Occupational Information Network and, and the Alberta Federation of Labor have deemed that dental hygienists are one of the top on the list for professions at risk for contracting COVID-19. And we all know that we have spent the last year searching for solutions to protect ourselves with more advancements and extensive PPE. We've designed new protocols and altered our treatment modalities, and we've been hyper-focused on how to protect ourselves and our patients. And so we're super excited to talk to you today about how we can best protect ourselves on the immune system front. So let's start with a little bit of background on your journey. Tell us how you started pursuing health and wellness. What did that look like for you? Yeah, great question. No, thanks for inviting me. I love sharing my insights. It's just, it's just who I am. You know, you wake me up in the middle of the night and say, you know, what, what's immunoglobulin A? Hey, it's a primary protector of the mucosal immune system. So I live this stuff and um, it's woven into every one of my conversations, chair side in particular. And since I was 18, probably when I was at my peak of being evangelical, trying to change the world, I realized not everyone's interested in changing. So, but I think it was as a teenager, as my journey started, um, all starts with mom. You know, my mom was big into Norman Vincent Peale and Guidepost magazine and Reader's Digest. And she gave us cod liver oil and wheat germ on our cornflakes, which is kind of annoying because I said she always knew how to ruin a good bowl of cornflakes. And uh, my dad was big into um, sound body, sound mind, the whole Greek philosophy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, neither of them had ever been to university, but amazing how uh, being well-read and self-taught, it's amazing how you can come across pretty bright and right. confused me about learning. As you can see by the books behind me, this is just some of the books in my house. There's books all over the place. 
Uh, we used to have bookshelves held up by books for the bookshelves. So <laughs> that being said, 10, 11, 12. So it's been like 35 years of, of working out, reading, um, swallowing fish, fish oil, and um, here I am, sort of certified as a boot camp instructor, yoga instructor, licensed as a Zumba instructor a couple nice. summers ago. So not that I teach these classes, but I just wanted to learn to teach me, which is probably the, right. our most important client or patient is us. I think we always try and yes. focus on other people, but we got to take care of ourselves. So that's where my journey started. Nice. So, well, on that front, since you, you are so educated and you, you are self-focused, which self-care is everything. If, if you know, it's the whole concept of, you know, if you're on an airplane and, and the uh, altitude drops and you know that the oxygen mass dropped down, you've got to put it on yourself before you can take care of anyone else. So this is super important. So one question I have is how have you been able to keep yourself healthy during the shutdowns and the stress of the pandemic? Well, it's funny. People just assume that I eat healthy all the time. So I'm always like busting myths. Like everyone assumes that Michael Phelps sleeps eight, 11 hours every night. He trains every day for eight hours. So he's the most wingless athlete in Olympic history. But remember they, they caught him smoking pot three years ago when it was, before it was legal and he misses workouts, but he's still a champion. So I try and share with people, you can still miss workouts. You can still have a Big Mac. You can have a donut and you can still be super healthy. I think people, everyone assumes because you have a six pack or you have a flat stomach, you must never go to a movie and have popcorn. And this, this is actually what keeps most people from ever getting fit. They assume, assume, assume it's so difficult and all or nothing. So I'm not an all or nothing person. Um, during the last year, I can drink a half bottle of wine over six, seven hours. So I'm not sure if your viewers or listeners would like that, but I can drink a half bottle of wine because I can. And I say, because if you have a lot of muscle and if you got uh, a depth to your physiology, your body can handle the occasional indulgence. So I can eat anything I want anytime, but I just do it, don't do it all the time. So during COVID, I bet you my fitness has gone down. I've gained maybe five pounds, which some people think that's amazing, but it's, I probably gained five pounds big deal. Like I, I needed the time off. My joints are better. I'm more lucid. So I, I needed some free time. I'm a voracious reader. I, I can't be on an ex exercise bike without, you know, listening to an audiobook. So it's been a time of chilling and Netflixing and um, Uber Eatsing. So there you have it. I, I love, I love what you're saying right now. And Dr. Ujay, this is my first time meeting you, but I just love already what you're saying about giving out of excess and overflow because you can't give sustainably out of deficit is what it sounds like. And I just like that you are, you know, changing the paradigm, it sounds like, of health perception and perception of healthy living from this like profession, perfectionistic kind of uh like impulse or impression that people have to like, no, like I'm a real human, you know, I don't always get perfect sleep. I ate the donut yesterday. And I think that for me on my personal health journey, I'm not a, a health you know, specialist and enthusiast and whatever, but for me, I've just found like make the next best choice kind of thing, you know, and sometimes the next best choice is watching Netflix and chilling and, you know, sleeping or resting on the couch or connecting with a friend or um, doing something for your mental health. And it's not like what people stereotype about healthy living. Mm -hmm. but it's almost like what people don't want to hear. Right. It's like when you see a super fit person, oh, you must work out every day. No, I miss. You, you must never eat junk food. You'd be surprised what I had last night. <laughs> but those are teachable moments though, because the average Joe, which doesn't exercise, doesn't sleep healthy, doesn't eat vegetables, needs to know you can still be fit or even super fit without being all or nothing. That professionistic all or nothing Paralysis by analysis has stopped so many people from exercising, just like it stopped people from um, uh, investing in themselves financially. 
it stops people from thinking Warren Buffett must never waste money. He must like, no, every now and then the wealthiest person in the world does waste money. But I think we assume and we project on, we assume a lot of perfectionistic things onto fit people or onto anyone and assume they must never. So that's why I'm here where I am with my belly and my eighth hour of television. So I'm all about, I, I like to, to get people to take action. Enough of giving people information. They have, they have way too much, but it's, can I take action on what I know? Can I get started where I am? And that's where I think my next programming and um, sharing is gonna be, taking action with what you know. Nice, I love it. So obviously if we're talking about the immune system today, I'm gonna, I'm gonna target you a little bit. When is the last time you were sick? Um, oh, believe it or not, well, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> um, I was, so I'd say Thursday night, I was, um, Thursday night I felt a little bit, for some reason I never get nauseous. I, was, I felt a little bit nauseous. I'm thinking like, hey, that's kind of weird. I never feel like that. And some people that's their normal, but I never felt like that. So my first thing was drink of water, squeeze some lemon in it, waited without panicking and kind of it went away. It's just my body telling me I'm not happy right now. So every painful thing, every a fever, even any joint pain or any, any a headache uh, is your body telling us messages. So the body's forever sending us messages of ease or disease. So my, my body was telling me it was uneasy, which is nausea. It could have been hot, it could have been tired, it could have been achy. So I listened, I didn't ignore it. I sat still, listened to it. Okay, maybe I had, um, I had a, what do you call it? An all meat pizza about four hours ago. My body's not used to that much processed meat. Had some water, a little lemon, and kind of went away. So I'm not that I'm this Zen Buddhist Kung Fu Panda right. kind of guy, but I definitely realize now, even when patients say, doc, I gotta get rid of this pain in my jaw. I'm like, well, you gotta be thankful for pain because your pain is telling you a message. Something has to get fixed. Diabetics have a neuropathy in their feet. So when they cut their toes or toenail, they often don't fix it and they end up losing a toe or a foot. So I say messages from our body should be welcomed. I'm glad you came in. Let's start there. So I'm always trying to shift paradigms and get people to look at things from a different perspective. And that's ultimately what a, a chairside healthcare professional is, like helping people see things in a new light. That's the, the ultimate gift, other than getting them better. But to help them see something in a new light is such a gift. Like when did that happen after age 18, you know? Yes, for sure. And, and that's what we spend all day doing, which is so awesome. So tell us everything you know about how to, how to strengthen our immune system. <laughs> it's easier than you think. I'd say number one, sleep is number one. Okay. Sleep is the bedrock, it's the foundation of being super healthy. Uh, even though I, I know the most important thing you, the three of us can do right now is breathe. Um, you, and I, you and I, the three of us could go a night without sleep. We could go 30 days without food. You could probably go five days without water. We can go probably two nights. We could probably do two all-nighters, maybe. But we can't go more than 60 seconds without oxygen. So that being said, oxygen is the number one way to stay alive. That being said, most people, most people even take that for granted because um, that's probably the number one way to get healthy. But I'd say as a bedrock in terms of shedding new light on something, I'd say sleep is foundational. I think um, sleep is way underrated. People, if I said, let me tell you three things to get healthy, First thing, what's the probiotic you take? Two, do I need to eat organic? Three, what's the best, what's the best whey protein powder? I'm like, miss the point, miss the point, miss the point. Like sleep is so foundational. Um, I've never heard anyone say the New Year's resolution is I want to get more sleep, ever, ever. Get more sleep has never been on someone's New Year's resolution. But for overachieving healthcare professionals, 
for 70% of adults who get less than seven hours and poor quality sleep. And 33% are one in three patients that get six or under, which is chronic sleep deprivation. So it's 100 million Americans getting are chronically sleep deprived. Um, getting better quality sleep is probably the most important thing any of us could do for a stronger immune system. So you said six hours a night is considered sleep deprivation. Yeah, Matthew Walker, neuroscientist out of Berkeley said seven is the minimum. He okay. said seven to nine. And um, it's funny because every dentist will always then ask because most dentists were so, I call it intellectual disease, right? We always like, can you get too much sleep? Can you get too much exercise? Can you, drink, can you drink too much green tea? Oh my God, what were you like in dental school? But you can get too much sleep. It's called hypersomnia. Hypersomnia is too much sleep. And it's just as deadly. Hypersomnia, we like to have heart attacks, accelerated aging, uh, body fat deposition. So Matthew Walker says, if you're human, seven to nine. As adults, seven to nine. Who usually experiences hypersomnia? Is this like usually found in depression or usually found in like, who, who suffers from hypersomnia? I feel like yeah, it's-, it's Yeah, great question. Um, some depressive qualities, some people, some depression you can't get sleep. Other depression is they get too much sleep, but it's never restful. So if you're getting 10 hours and you can still use more, that's probably not good quality. Either the room's too dark, you ate before bed, alcohol before bed. So, but, so seven to nine is, is, is the sweet spot. So hypersomnia, it doesn't happen. Just like over-exercising is deadly. You can actually die from over-exercise. You get gut membrane mm -hmm. um, breaks in your gut integrity. You can actually uh, weaken your DNA. They, they say 30 days after a marathon, anyone after a marathon, 30, after 30 days, um, one third of their glutathione, which is GSH, um, they're, they have one third as much glutathione as the average healthy person. And that's why marathon runners are constantly have cold sores, canker sores, run down, diarrhea. Mm -hmm. A lot of, they may be very fit, but they're not very healthy. So you can do too much exercise. You can sleep too much, but that's not a big problem. You know, most people don't get enough sleep and most people right. don't exercise enough. So, and that's what I call you know, dentists who get this intellectual disease. Like the first hand that goes up and I'll say, are you a dentist? They go, how'd you know? Cause you're asking me, can you get too much green tea? Why would <laughs> dentists do that? We're, we're nerdy, we're weird. Can you eat too many apples? Can you take too many probiotics? Can you work out too much? Like, can you do too much yoga? Like, who are you? <laughs> Where are you from? You know, I can't, I, we can't, I'm, I am a dentist, so we can't help ourselves. We're, we're nerdy, odd, don't ask me. You lift too much weight. <laughs> well, and I know we're talking about immune system, but I wanna just throw in because it was just last week and, and honestly, I can't remember if it was a podcast or, or an article that I read, but it was talking about Alzheimer's and how important sleep is to preventing Alzheimer's. And it's that between that seven to eight hours where your brain kind of flushes and cleans up. And so, you know, that that's just, you know, what you're saying is, is, is proved out in that area as well. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's so fundamental. Um, it's called the glymphatic system. And the glymphatic system is supposedly it's 10 to 20 times more active at nighttime. So during the day, all three of our brains are getting rid of beta amyloid plaque, free radicals, and uh, towel tangles, it's called. So that happens during the day. It's not as if it exclusively happens at nighttime. But at nighttime, and not even shift workers. So that's why shift workers are awake at night, brain fog, and they live up to 10 years shorter lives. So at nighttime, the glymphatic system, that flushing accent, is 10 to 20 times more active. So, um, so if both of you slept nine hours, and I slept five hours last night, I can't hack my system you would have less beta amyloid plaque, free radicals and tallow tangles, which means less inflammation. And the next day after five hours, 
I'll have more brain fog, more likely to get into a car accident, poor memory, poor emotional processing. And that happens every time. So anyone that's chronically sleep deprived, overreactive, poor memory, um, insulin resistant, um, inability to get pregnant. There's a lot of couples trying to get pregnant. It's, it's, do they need $50,000 worth of IVF treatment? Or they got to get mom who's, um, whose follicle releasing hormone is 20% less after a night of poor sleep. And husband or uh, parent, other parent is, is trying to get um, testosterone less and sperm don't swim as well. So a lot of people trouble conceiving is just poor sleep. And usually it's like 70 hour a week lawyer married to a 65 hour a week emergency room medical doctor. Now you're paying 50 grand to get pregnant instead right. of just going to bed on time and chilling wow. out like Kung Fu Panda, you know? This, this is, I have kind of, I think an overthinking question about this. Is there um, it, like a, an ideal window of time having to do with like circadian rhythm, like a time to fall asleep in your time zone, a time to wake up, like a quick, is because I've heard like things about cortisol and HGH and when your body's like secreting or developing more or less of that stuff. And if you fall asleep before 10, you're gonna have more HGH and less cortisol. Is there any truth to those things? Yes, there are. And I guess they're always finding out new things, right? It's like medical practice, dental practice, nutrition practice. Mm -hmm. The 80s were eggs are bad, fat is bad. And we never got so fat and unhealthy. Mm -hmm. The 90s is all about six small meals. Now with fasting, we're saying six small meals was so wrong. So it's always changing. Mm -hmm. But um, Deepak Chopra, have you heard of Deepak Chopra? Yes. Deepak Chopra um, has written like 55 books. I, I've been on three of his seminars over the years, like conferences. And he said, basically, as much as we're all very different, 10 p.m. till 6 a.m. is the ideal time to sleep. And if you see a lot of really fit people, they go to bed a little earlier and they wake up early. That being said, I am a night owl. So there's new information that we're not all on the same circadian rhythm. So technically, my body does want to sleep at night. However, I have somehow, I, I'm more prone to be able to stay up later. And I can get up early to catch a flight if I have to, but my preference is to get up a little later. But that being said, though, all the research says going to bed early, getting up early, more healthy people go to bed early, get up early, then go to bed late, get up late. So that being said, that's one area I could improve on. But they do say, though, time before midnight is the ideal time to repair your physical body. So time before midnight is physical body repair. So mm -hmm. all the big athletes, LeBron James, uh, the Williams sisters, tennis players, Roger Federer, Usain Bolt, go to bed 9 or 10, 10 o'clock at night, which if you're worth $100 million, it's hard to, to cash in your chips and go to bed because life goes on. So it's, if you're, if you're an in-demand, fun, engaging person, it's, it's a challenge to go to bed early when everyone else is up. But if you want to live a long time, have good skin and age well, you know, follow Jennifer Anderson's lead. Like a lot of those stars, like Angela Jolie has a nanny per kid, you know, she has a nanny per kid. So the reason why you can still look good with six kids, like, how does she look so good? She's got a nanny per kid who's also a bodyguard slash Kung Fu master. So it's like, so the reason why people look that good as a mom, because new moms, especially with young kids, you're up all night. I, I pay homage to moms. But um, sleep is, is the ultimate anti-ager. And uh, anyone that looks good, has very little injuries, heals well, good muscle tone, is going to bed early, getting up early, like time and time again. Nice. So have you always been a good sleeper? Has that ever been a problem for you? Um, I would say I've always been a good I've never had a sleep issue. I'd say during this whole COVID thing, especially with all the unstructured time like I like I like I like a full day I like you know two interviews an article to write and right now I'm writing a book for the ADA I got a deadline in three weeks I need like I need to write like 50 pages in the next three weeks so I perform very well under pressure like you give me a 10-hour work day I gotta work out after and go out with friends I can do that 
So my system is kind of hardy in a way. Like some people have hardier systems. Like, you know, you can go through a lot and still be, I gotta be a good guy. I can, I'm not sure I've ever been an A, I could be, be a Navy SEAL, but I could probably give that hell week a good go. <laughs> not saying get challenged me, but I'm a pretty hardy person. I, I've been through a lot, you know, personally, emotionally, physically. So I'm pretty hardy. Um, that being said, uh, I, the only time I've probably slept poorly, I think over the last year, during this whole COVID time is I've had so much unstructured time. You know, if someone says you have a year to write a book, the last four weeks, I'll write it, you know, 130 pages. Um, and, I, and I love people who plan ahead of time. Like, it's like, I think it's amazing. But um, I'd say, so during the last year, since March, like this is probably the anniversary day of the world kind of shutting down. Right. I do wake up in the middle of the night, but I now know I should panic. They said a lot of humans were biphasic in their sleep. They slept three, four hours, woke up a bit, and usually, you, I always think of evolution advantage. You woke up a bit to look around the cave, stoke the fire, check the little ones and come back in. So there's a reason why you wake up. Like, I think people don't realize everything that happens to us or physiologically, there's evolutionary reason. People think, oh, I hate feeling nauseous. I hate throwing up. That's nature's way of not allowing you to ingest and make parasites a part of your knee. Like sneezing, oh, I hate sneezing. Sneezing is part of the immune system working. People who don't cough well often swallow bits of saliva and they have a lot more chance of pneumonia. So sweating comes in handy. Pain is a good thing. So everything that happens to us, there's a physiological evolutionary reason. So, so waking up overnight was something that never happened to me before. So but instead of panicking and going online, putting on my powerful iPhone light, like a lighthouse and saying, why do people have insomnia in the middle of the night? I realized, take a few deep breaths, run through a few questions like, what am I grateful for? Who loves me? Um, what am I really happy about? What am I proud of? Um, how lucky am I? And just, I just, laying, I just li listen to a few things. I don't, I don't count my torturous, sad things. I count my blessings. Mm -hmm. That slows down heart rate, slows down breathing. And then I'm asleep before you know it. But the minute I start thinking about, oh, did I leave a cotton roll in that patient's mouth after the, <laughs> after the extraction? Did I, did I phone that patient back? And I got to debit that such and such. So so I wake up in the night and that's been my last year. So that's the only time I'd say I've had some challenges, wake up in the night, but I, I'm looking at what's my body telling me, not how can I fix this? How can I fix this, you know, million year old evolution body that's, that's made right. to be this way. Right. So, so as I am a person who is not a great sleeper, I suffered with insomnia as a child. I'm a restless oh. sleeper. I have a hard time turning my brain off. Oh, okay. um, what, what would you say? I like what you just said. I've used a lot of um, tools like uh, breathing and meditating and I brain dumb. I keep a pad of paper by my bed, you know, um, just whatever I'm ruminating on, I'll write down so that it's not like that fear of forgetting type of thing. Okay. But I have a hard time turning my brain off at the end of the day. So do you have any advice for a person like me who struggles with the, the mental aspect of trying to fall asleep? Yeah, I think anyone that's very cerebral has mm -hmm. a hard time. I think if, if, if you weren't as bright, it'd be easier to fall asleep. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not making, I'm just a compliment. Like, People are very cerebral. This is where they get, and this, if you're up here, a lot cortisol is active. So mm -hmm. basically they said, you need melatonin to, to sleep deeply. So anytime cortisol is high, melatonin is opposite. Melatonin doesn't stay high when cortisol is high. So the minute you're ruminating, thinking, um, worrying, overthinking, intellectualizing, mm -hmm. did I do? The melatonin is low. So the body goes, why are you sleeping? You're worried about the hunt, the famine. You should be up defending your tribe. So that's why you got to start using all these biohacks, like, um, like a hot bath basically heats up the body, but it's your body trying to cool it that helps you go to sleep. 
Um, things like have a pitch black room, have a cooler room. Definitely, you don't realize how being uncomfortably cool outside the covers, mm -hmm. and you go under the covers with a nice duvet with nice down comforter, and you'll realize after two hours, wow, it's so hot in here. That's your body generating heat. Um, so having the room cooler, like 66 degrees. Mm -hmm. They've also said um, wearing less clothes. People often go to bed with way too much stuff on. Favorite hoodie, you know, Lululemon tights, you know, so like <laughs> so less clothes is better. Um, the eating before bedtime is not good. The body does not like to digest food when you're sleeping. So if you've had a big meal within two hours, the body's going, sorry, you need to be alert to digest this meal. Drinking wine within two hours of bedtime. Wine um, spikes blood sugar. It's, it's COVID, this is, North, this is Western, Western the world. I've drunk more wine in the last year than I've ever in my life. You know, like, um, so wine is horrible. It relaxes the oral pharynx, makes you snore. Uh, it makes you wake up in the middle of the night. It fragments your sleep. You don't dream as much. That's why alcoholics often have the, the, the where they would have this hyper dreaming state when, when, they, when, they, when they, they go cold turkey. Mm -hmm. So um, not that even one glass of wine supposedly makes you dream less. Is it really just, is it really wine or is it alcohol in general? Alcohol in general. Okay, got it. Wine, wine being a favorite drink of uh, the dental profession, I think. <laughs> yes, oh, for sure, for sure. That's how we get our therapy. That's how we therapize. There you go. Um, so, yeah, I've heard about the temperature and like taking the warm bath and making the cold room also helps you to achieve REM sleep and get more REM sleep. Is that true? Which is massive though, because um, I know you value your brain because I see your brain working there. Like I can tell another intellectual person there, like you're totally, you're totally up here. So um, if you want to have a good functioning brain, which means staying chill, you'd be surprised how I admire people who are feisty, but they waste a lot of time being feisty. So the reason why Bruce Lee was able to be this far away from a board and break it is because he was so zen. He said, you only use your energy when you need to. So if you're always flying off the handle, always irritated, frustrated, angry, resenting, jealousing, you, you waste a lot of psychic and emotional and physiological energy in that state. So anytime you can slowly chill, um, you'll have a deeper sleep. But at the same time though, REM is where sleep time to stay we process emotion. So you and I, even though it's Sunday and it's kind of a chill day, um, nighttime, the brain likes to sort things out. It's like, you know, if you ever been on a shopping spree and you buy like 30 bags, Versace, Louis Vuitton, Ferragamo, am I, Christian Louis Vuitton, am I, am I, look, I'm making you guys happy now. So you have all these bags and boxes on your bed. That's annoying. You want to sort it out. So the brain all day long collects stuff, conversations, books, stuff, new things, new words. And at nighttime, the brain likes to put it away. Yes. So people who sleep seven to nine hours can put it away. People who sleep seven hours, four hours, three hours, what they do is they leave stuff on their bed from day to day to day, and they have a poor memory and they have an ability to process emotion. That's why good sleep is to be a CEO, to be a good manager, to be a good boss. You need to to get let rid of the garbage, go from yesterday and sort it out. It's like not showering three days into it and thinking, why do I smell? Because mm -hmm. you haven't purged, you haven't showered. Mm -hmm. Sleeping purges, showers, and takes away the dirty stuff from the day before and process it. So good sleepers process emotion and they have a clean slate every morning. Bad sleepers carry that load with you. So you end up going, I feel kind of overwhelmed. I feel overwhelmed. Well, you didn't let it go from yesterday. You're carrying yesterday's baggage into today. Right. That's an analogy for you. So. And it's cyclical, I know, because, you know, as you lose sleep, the anxiety level is higher and then you're overthinking and you're working at, you're doing, I think, less with more time and you're less effective. But I think it just becomes like this cyclical thing. Now you're staying up later to get things done and you're getting less sleep and it's just all like frustrating and it just continues. Very common though, like very common. So what you discuss is very common. It said, 
So if 100 years ago they said only 1% of Americans, 1% slept less than six hours a night. Now it's 33, which is, that's a massive increase. So even though we're living longer, if you look at some of our patients, they're sicker. Like they're being propped up with seven, eight, nine, ten 10 meds, shuffling mm-hmm. in walkers, canes. And I'm not judging it. I'm just like, you know, you could be 50, 60, 70, but lots of maladies, lots of ailments. So they're alive, but it's not that, it's not that fun to have all kinds of mobility aids because of breakdown. I'm not saying because of disease or accidents and just because of chronic breakdown and lack of care. So um, I think people who don't sleep well, don't heal well. And I think of my 85, 90, 95, 100 year old patients, the ones that come to the office at 100 who drive themselves there, the belt matches the shoes, they hop up, up into the chair. Hey doc, how long is this gonna take? And my Apple watch says, and I'm like, you're 100 with an Apple watch. So they're alert. And have you ever asked an 85, 90, 95 year old, 100 year old, how well do you sleep? It's always amazing. You know why? Because the good sleepers pass away early. Good sleepers don't, poor sleepers don't live long. Poor, Matthew Walker said, poor sleep is a slow suicide. So that's, I'm, I'm trying to create leverage for you here too, right? So poor sleep is a slow suicide. Like you almost want to make sleep your number one project in the next month. Like just, you're smart, just master it. Like just become like, I used to sleep bad. Now I'm a sleep Zen master. Like make sleep your biggest project. I think that's my intuitive sense talking to you right now. Thanks for investing your time and energy into listening to Bulletproof Hygiene. Remember to click subscribe to join our community of dental professionals that embrace growth and collaboration to better yourself, your patients, and our profession. For more information on our 2021 Live Summit, Bulletproof Hygiene Book, and training opportunities, download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene. What are your thoughts or how do you... It's kind of a tangent, so we don't have to go here, but I'm just thinking of obstructive sleep apnea and how many people don't realize they have OSA and what impact that might be having or someone with central sleep apnea. Do you address those things like in a big way in your office or how do you kind of like screen for that or figure out if that's an issue for you? I'm thinking of our, our audience who might be like, yeah, well, I don't, I have trouble falling asleep. I have trouble staying asleep. I've tried all these different things. Like I wonder if it's something else, you know, kind okay. of thing. Okay. There's so many things involved with sleep. I think people often think, the first thing an audience will ask out of a thousand people, all they wonder about is what kind of melatonin to buy. I'm like, what a waste of time. Or I want to get fit. Do I need a multivitamin? What a bad question. So like, you know, so like it's called reductionistic. We try and reduce our whole life down to one thing. Ooch, if there's one book you've read, I'm like, don't ask me that question. Like I read the Bible. It's not, it's not the best health book. It's a great book. There's, there's other books I need to read, you know, even though it's got a nice, a nice message inside. So I think we often reduce it down to one thing, but I think oftentimes it, there's a multiple things that go into it. But I think chair side, some patients aren't even open. If I, if I lectured every patient about flossing, I would make 80% of my patients mad tomorrow because 80% don't floss. So if I like, I know it's, I know I've talked about this before, uh, Steve, but I'm gonna review flossing for five minutes. All of a sudden it goes, Ooch, I'm an MBA, I'm a bank manager. Don't go through that again. Your hygienist does it, you do it. I'm getting annoyed, let me tell you, I don't floss but I'll come every three months, I'll use an air floss. So, so you gotta be careful who your person you're talking to. And the whole thing, the teacher arrives and the student's ready. If you try and teach someone before they're ready, you just annoy someone. And, yeah. um, and you just so wasted everyone's time. What's that? And you just wasted everyone's time because they're not ready to hear it. And now you're wasting time, t- time telling them they didn't ask and it's just, they're not in a space where they can like receive or, you know, yeah. they're not ready to receive it. So I, even though I'm the super fit guy, 
people that assume all my patients are triathletes. And I'm being like, again, we, we all are nothing. Like I have the same, like, like Dr. Bill Dorfman, the, the, the mega cosmetic guru who started Night White and Discus Dental and all this stuff, the bleaching guy out of Beverly Hills. They assume all his patients are Jennifer Aniston, Angela Jolie and Brad Pitt. He goes, most of my patients are average people in Beverly Hills. Well, not that Beverly Hills is average, but they're not movie stars. About five to six percent of my, my patient base are celebrities. The rest are moms and dads and kids. So we always assume that, you know, oh, you're super fit, all your patients are fit. No, average bunch of patients. I'd say 10% are fit, a bunch, I'm taking them on that journey, but I don't annoy them all. But what I do is though, I look for a glimmer. Mm-hmm. So I, I try and have my hygienist not talk about any, any, any a lot of, how many, and I do this, I'll turn my back to my patient. So any changes in your medical history? What the, what the heck does that mean to an 18 year old or a 45 year old real estate agent? Changes, you mean, do I not? No, no changes. Meanwhile, they're now on a shift worker or they don't want to tell you that they're t- taking some antidepressant because that's embarrassing. I'm not sure who else is going to know that because my sister works at the front desk. So um, I say, okay, medical history is one thing, but let's say, how are you sleeping? How's your physical activity these days? Um, how, how's, how's your vegetable intake? And that's, that tells me a lot about someone. I hate vegetables. I'm a shift worker. I'm thinking, you know what? You're going from nine months down to four because a shift worker, they're full of inflammation. If you don't eat vegetables, you have no inflammatory messengers, anti-inflammatory chemicals in your body. What do you get into three months? And the cop will say to me, Ooch, why is that? Well, um, shift workers often die up to 10 years earlier. I want you around, dude. And I said, but if I get you in earlier, I can lower your inflammatory burden, which gives your body an easier time handling your shift work. Sounds good to me. Put me down for four months. And that's one sentence, you know? So I'm all about making it easy for someone to make that decision. So no shift worker should be nine months or six months. All shift workers should be three, four months recall right there because of their, their background levels of inflammation. Nice. So talk to us, because obviously sleep is the bedrock, but what else plays into our immune function and really setting us up for success on that front? Okay, sleep is being foundational still, as I said, just because it's, it's major, major. So poor sleepers are poor healers. So they may not hear poor sleep, poor healer. So that's foundational, right, right off, which is basically one third of our patients. Or actually when you get up to it, 70% don't get enough, but poor quality, which is sleep apnea, central sleep apnea, snoring, that's a lot of them. It's only about 30% of patients that sleep seven times an hour and deep enough. So that being said, let's leave sleep because we go on for a long time, right? So I'd say food. Food is massive. Like, you, you can't be healthy eating um, croissants, apple fritters, donuts, and uh, uh, fries with gravy on it. Like it's, uh, it's impossible. But, and I remember I went to an orthopedic surgeon one time and I had a meniscus tear and the, the MRI showed it wasn't a tear that needed surgery. If the orthopedic surgeon said, you just got to take it easy. And over the next year, it's going to get better on its own slowly. Just don't abuse it. And I just said, I thought he was going to give me some kudos. I said, oh, so if, I eat pretty healthy. I said, I eat kale, couscous, lots of vegetables, essential fats. And he goes, ooch, food's got nothing to do with your knee. I said, beg your pardon? He goes, yeah, nutrition's got nothing to do with your meniscus. I said, what do you mean? And I thought he was joking. He goes, no, your meniscus is a cartilage. There's um, no blood supply. I said, so I could eat Pop-Tarts and Smarties and M&Ms, but yep, shouldn't really make that any difference. I'm thinking, what he should have said though, I don't study nutrition. That's not my area. That's what he should have said, honestly. Like something I don't know, if I don't do endo, go to endodontist. Oh, you shouldn't get endo, just get an implant. You know, I don't do endo, but I would like, your tooth is the best implant. Let's go to endodontist. I don't poo-poo some things I don't know it. But a lot of people, experts, because they don't know about something, they poo-poo it. So uh, 
you can eat anything you want. Or they go over the next year, as long as you eat a balanced diet. Um, could you tell me um, how many fruits and vegetables I should be eating? Uh, you know, balanced. I'm like, 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 what's couscous? Uh, they don't know. Again, if you say that's not my area, I know surgery, I know pills, I know drugs. Nutrition's not my deal. So, um, but nutrition is foundational though. Like it's impossible to have a good, good knees eating junk food all day. Impossible. It's impossible to have good skin eating junk food. Like when you look at people like Halle Berry and anyone that looks good, Helen Muran, the queen mother at 102 or something, how low she is, she's not eating um, cheeseburgers, fries, and whatever the heck junk food the average person eats. Like, so that being said, it's powerful. Like, so if you saw what I ate today, you'd see why I look and feel the way I do now. And it, you guys both look like you have good skin. You look like you have lots of energy. I bet you you eat pretty decent the last 24 hours, you know? So looking good is an important thing for most, most of us. Food is like powerful. Like, you know, Hippocrates said, all disease begins in the gut. All disease begins in the gut. And that's the father of medicine. That is a powerful statement. All disease begins in the gut. And that was 2,300 years ago before you knew about antibiotics or bacteria or anything. That's crazy, crazy. So what do you recommend nutrition wise? Like, do you recommend supplements? Yeah, good question. I'm not a big supplement fan, even though, I'm a fan of probiotics. I used to be a huge fan of vitamin D till I now realize when people say, oh, I take D, if they're taking a hard tablet, it's not being digested. Like, you know, if you are gonna take vitamin D, Zoltan Rona, he's a medical doctor in Toronto. And I first, I first learned this eight years ago. He was, he's part of this um, alternative healthcare practitioner network I used to be a part of. He said, vitamin D in dropper form in oil, cause all drop, a dropper form vitamin D is absorbed better cause all vitamin D in nature comes with fat, egg yolks, fish, Okay, that's, that's the, the top vitamin D sources. So if someone says they hate fish and they don't eat eggs, I'm thinking low D. And if they work inside, I'm thinking, how do you sleep poorly? Um, what diseases do you have? Why do you ask? Do you have high blood pressure? So vitamin D is a part of being, having high blood pressure. Vitamin D is a, a big part of being depressed. Vitamin D is part of being chronically inflamed. That's low vitamin D. And it's simply from not getting outside in the sun, which is number one, people don't eat fish. And people cut out eggs from 40 years ago when all the doctors or everyone said eggs were to toxic for you. So that being said, the, the nutrition subject's huge, but I think food first, supplements like way second. But people often go for the supplements first and not the food. Right. So how many fruits and vegetables should we shoot for in a day to maintain a healthy immune system? Yeah, great question. Um, so it's five to nine servings a day, which is, sounds like oh, everyone writes that down. What's the serving size? You know, if you ever go to the Olive Garden or some of these big restaurants and you get some rice, you think, oh, that's a serving. No, that's four servings of rice. You don't realize it's four servings at twice or two or three servings of rice. And a 120 pound person is on a date with a 300 pound significant other. And they both get the three servings of rice on their plate thinking this is a serving of rice. Meanwhile, it's actually three servings size wise. So portion control is not something we can do. So what health, this is, this is pretty wild actually, because any one of us, any one of us has access to this. So Health Canada, two years ago, did a new food guide. You know, there's a, a food guide pyramid in the US. So in Canada, where I'm from, it's called the Health Canada Food Guide. So they say, and not, and all, and not, in all humbleness, it, it said it's one of the most progressive food guides ever done by a country, because they said they didn't let any lobby groups petition their food on it. So no processed meat, no orange juice, mm -hmm. which is like, what do you mean no meat, no, no, no hot dogs? No, they said meat, 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 protein alternatives, but meat, 
not hot dog, salami, luncheon meat. I'm serious. Yeah. And they said not orange juice. Even milk wasn't on it. They said the number one drink should be water for Canadians. Isn't that wild? So they got a huge amount of flack. But again, since most people don't read or even know about it, but if you look at that, that this, if you Google Health Canada, I don't know if you have your phone in front of you, anything you have your phone in front of you, it's kind of easy to watch. So if you put, if you Google image Health Canada food guide, they have a plate. They said, this is how people understand. So they have a plate. They said half the plate should be fruit and vegetables. They didn't say how much, half the plate fruit and vegetables. The other quarter is meat or protein alternatives. And the other quarter is grains. And people say, oh, I'm gluten intolerant. Well, you might be just sensitive because you have a weak immune system. Mm-hmm. Celiac disease, no, no grain, right? No, 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 no gluten. However, people are gluten intolerant or have gluten sensitivity, mainly because their immune systems are hypersensitive. You got to train your immune system to be smarter, right? It just means you, you might want to avoid it, but you're going to start backtracking from dairy and all kinds of other things. So that's a whole other top topic, but mm-hmm. half the plate fruit and vegetables, a quarter meat or protein alternatives. So edamame beans, tofu, you know, soy, which is fine in moderation. And then the lower quarter, one quarter of the plate should be grains. So, and it, that's easy now. Like you look at a plate, hey, I have hardly any vegetables. You need to have your half your plate vegetables. And that alone will get you looking and feeling good because you, like, I know people go on diets and they start weighing stuff out and they look at their micros and macros and they're looking up their apps. That is, that's what Stephen Covey calls conscious competence. If you're, you know, Stephen Covey that um, he's got that, you go unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence to conscious competence, which is counting weighing, which is annoying, takes so much energy. Where you want to be is, is the sweet spot is unconscious competence. You want to be the Richard Branson of dieting, chilling out, having fun, skydiving. You want to be, who else looks like they're having an easy life? It looks you. like they're not efforting too much. You. like they just have an easy time. Really smart, not efforting a lot. Or uh, how about just doing well? Kylie Jenner, <laughs> like, oh my God. Like Kylie, I'm, everyone wants Kylie Jenner down. She's worth 900 million. She looks like she has a pretty easy time. Like. Mm-hmm. Like people want to put her down, but I'm like, like no singing, no acting, no athletic performance, 900 million. She might've been helped obviously by mom and the family, but so I'm saying, but has a pretty chill thing going on. So that's, that's like unconscious competence. She dominates, she dominates Instagram. The rock looks like he's having an easy fun time. Hey, working out three o'clock in the morning, drinking tequila. It's my cheat day. He has a cheat day every day. <laughs> he's worth 500 million. He's got a tequila. He's got, now he's got an energy drink. He's laughing. He's happy. He swears on his Instagram so no one can ever come back at him from swearing. Mm-hmm. Looks like he's the happiest guy. He's 48. He's aging well. Um, he had a girlfriend for the longest time and they said you should get married if you want to have any political aspirations. He got married on the beach. There's a guy who looks like he has unconscious competence. Mm-hmm. Having a good time, chilling out. That, that's, that's the sweet spot, I think. Doing really well and looking like it's not that hard. Isn't his tequila a bestseller as well? I don't, yeah, I think so. He's, he's, he's so good at marketing. He's got 200 million followers. He's got the most ever, like wow. 20% of a billion followers. Like he, he basically, I think they said in terms of, he doesn't, he doesn't sell himself like some other people do in terms of online, like, but they said, if he tweets, some, not tweet something, if he sh- shares someone on Instagram, it's worth like whatever, $500,000, like, because wow. 200 million people see it, which is insane, yeah. like insane. So well, you know, what's interesting is what pops in my head is you're talking about these people and, and that perception and that just kind of that chill mode is, you know, there's got to be such a decrease in stress level as well. And I think that's huge. 
Okay, look at you reeling us back into the topic. You're like, you know well, what? No, I mean, I literally yeah. just went there and thought, gosh, that's Kylie common. Jenner. We're gonna reel you back in. Okay. We're reel you back in <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I think, I think yeah. that when you described all of them as just laid back and chill, and I think that's that's a huge part of it. I always talk about Kung Fu Panda, Bruce Lee, like that Barack Obama. Hey, he always looked like he was having a good time. You know, he's up all night. He smoked. Everyone is against him. All these things are executive order but he always looked like he was having a good time. Never let people get under his skin. Like people shut, call him names, hey, that's okay. You know what, you came here, you, you listen to me now. You know, have a seat. Like he wasn't just like, throw that bum out. Like he was just like, okay, I'm gonna invite you to have a talk after. What's your name? Ed, Ed, invite Ed back after. Like, so that ability to be chill is so attractive. They, yeah. they talked about, I know, um, uh, not that I'm on dating websites, but if, you're on, but if you look at these relationship websites, um, they said being chill is attractive. Intense is not attractive. Like if you said, I, I met someone new, what they like, he's very intense. You're thinking, ooh, or she's very intense, yikes. You know, so chill is attractive, but for the immune system though, anytime, basically they said the immune system's either on or off. So there's a sympathetic autonomic nervous system and there's a parasympathetic autonomic part of the nervous system. Have you heard those names before? Sympathetic, parasympathetic. Mm -hmm. So sympathetic basically is fight or flight, freeze which is on. So if the three of us started arguing, right away we'd be, blood pressure goes up, platelets get sticky, pulse quickens, um, cortisol goes up. There's no, no dimmer. You can't be a little ticked. You're either angry or chill. But the minute you take a deep breath through your nose, the minute you get grateful, all of a sudden you go to rest and digest, which is parasympathetic. So Dwayne Navarro Johnson, Kylie Jenner, Barack Obama, spend more time in parasympathetic where you get new ideas, your immune system is rebooting, your natural killer cells are working like they should, your pulse is low, your heart beats like, you know, 55 times a minute. It's like, boom, boom. <laughs> it's funny because people always ask, why is a fast pulse not healthy? Because if you're sitting in the dental chair and your heart's beating, boom, 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 boom. That's why the heart wears out. That's why you get aortic tears. That's why you get nicks in the arteries. So people who are chill, that's why athletic people have low pulses. They have low heart rates. So the lower the heart rate, the, the better your stroke volume and cardiac output. It means your heart beats more efficiently. So it's like, so the Dwayne, I'm not Dwayne, I'm not, yeah. So I think of Kylie Jenner. It's like, boom, selfie, <laughs> boom, look at my toes, boom, look at me next to the garage, you know, like, so I'm, I'm just, I'm being silly, but that's, so that's her. Like she might live to 120 at the rate she's going for crying out loud. So, so being chill is definitely good for the immune system. So, so you're thinking then the more angry, the more irritated I get, the more I watch bad television that makes me upset, the more I look at news shows that upset me, the more I jealous and resent, the weaker your immune system, accelerated aging. So I think accelerated aging gets more people interested than immune system, because what's immune system? Right. But if I tell a real estate agent, um, we talked about accepting my anesthetic and their nitrous. So a lot of people who are nitrous, their, their legs across, arms across, I'm like, I like nitrous, but I need it jacked way up. I said, you know, but if you chilled a bit and open, you know, separated your feet and relaxed your arms and allowed it to work, I would, I would have to use less. But also, so that's the best place for you to slow down aging. Now I have her attention. Slow down aging. Yeah, the more chill you are, the slower the aging. The more intense you are, the more cortisol, which is the catabolic breakdown hormone. So people who look good for their age, 
They're never angry and irritated. All those people who are, look really good for their age, like Helen Muran. The, when's the, when, do, when have you ever seen the queen mother scowl? The queen, like, you never see her, but like, so anyone that's scowling, accelerated aging, and they leave the planet soon. So sometimes the immune system strength is not what patients want to hear. But if you slow down aging, it means your immune system strong. So I, sometimes I use the wording I use, and it's all about words sometimes. You know, we, we all get the same 26 letters, but I think slowing down aging is very attractive. Slowing down aging. The more teeth you have, the more you can slow down aging. Mm -hmm. I'll tell someone, oh, you have lots of saliva. They go, oh, isn't that annoying? I said, no, no, kids have lots of saliva. As we get older, the mouth gets drier. The drier mouth, the more accelerated aging. Oh, so how, how can I keep my saliva? Well, by being less anxious. Just like when you're scared to talk in front of a group of people, your mouth gets dry, accelerated aging. So I think accelerated aging is kind of a nice kind of a way to yeah. share that. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's yeah. sexy and trendy. There we go. Let's, but let's, meaningful. Let's, but meaningful. Let's brand something. Let's brand, let's brand something right here. Let's say we did it now. Exactly. You know? exactly. Can I can I rewind a little bit and ask you <laughs> about supplements versus um, getting your like nutrients through food? Is is the reason why like getting your nutrients through actual food and eating things? Does it have to do with the bioavailability, or it, or does it have to do with something else like the buffers and the extra the additives in supplements or like what makes getting your nutrients through food better or more ideal or like more, or even like IV supplements versus oral supplements or, you know. Okay, a, a great question. Cause astronauts do all supplements. They do all liquid supplements, right? Cause they're in space. Mm -hmm. um, however, I always think of evolution and you think of evolution hundreds of thousands of years, all our food for most of human history has never had an ingredients list on it. Potato, apple, kale, mm -hmm. spinach. The, the minute the body, and it just makes intuitive sense, the minute the body has 20 ingredients on a can or a box, the body goes, that's gonna take more energy to digest. Not just gotta look up the ingredients, but what's citric acid? What's soybean oil? You know, what's, what's, uh, what are emulsifiers? You know, preservatives, um, artificial sweeteners. Mm -hmm. Now the body gets exhausted. That's why if you, every time you eat a really good meal that's good for you, you're energized. If you eat a meal and you feel tired after, that's an immediate sign what you ate wasn't good. Just like when you have dinner with a friend and you feel energized after, but you have a dinner with another couple and you feel bagged, that's not a couple you want to spend much time with. You know, So they get off the phone with someone, you feel like energized. You get off the phone and feel exhausted, that's not a good sign. So every time you eat and you feel exhausted or tired after, that's your body telling a message of unease. And maybe you should go look at the ingredients and what was in it. But it's pretty hard to feel exhausted after a salad vegetables and some wild meat or like wild salmon like how does that exhaust you but you have a thousand calorie piece of cheesecake a cognac and a creamy soup and a really thick thousand island dressing and uh, a breaded piece of chicken mm, now you can feel tired after mm -hmm. you know i always i always feel this way after thanksgiving well you eat like this every day yeah i come to think of it i always need a, a, an energy drink right after i eat well you're eating so efficiently which means accelerated aging so accelerated aging is, is anytime you get tired after eating, accelerated aging. Because they've shown that people who eat more or eat, that's why a lot of athletes die early. If was, Marvin Hagler just died yesterday or in the last overnight, like a very famous uh, athlete. So anyone who eats a lot doesn't live a long time. So mm -hmm. the less you eat, the longer you live because eating takes a lot of energy. So that's why they said intermittent fasting. And this is kind of cool. Since 1935, when they looked at mice studies, rodent studies, they found out that the less you the less you eat on a the same amount on a regular basis, the, the longer your life expectancy. 
And that came out in 1935. So that's the whole thing about intermittent fasting even now. It lowers gut inflammation. It lowers organ dysfunction. You lose less muscle mass with age and it allows you to live longer. They say it even postpones um, dementia in rodent studies, but it postpones dementia. So eating all day, overeating, accelerates aging. That, so I, I was trying to bring that accelerated aging thing in because it's such a, we do so many things. Like we, we go to Sephora to slow yeah. down aging. You know, we buy stuff to slow down aging all the time, but we can do it with sleep, mm-hmm. being happy, being chill, breathing deep and eating whole foods and eating less processed foods. Thank you for that. I, I like how you like consistently too, you're, I think you seem very cerebral and very nerdy and you love reading and you like gather all these facts and things, but you keep bringing it back to like common sense things. Like, what do you feel like after you eat this meal? You know, what do you feel like after you run, run or do this exercise or whatever, or take supplements or sleep well or whatever. It's like, I think it's very countercultural for us to feel anything other than happy. So I think no one wants to admit when they feel sick or not great or not a hundred percent or whatever, but you're just saying like, if we just acknowledge what our body's already telling us, it'll tell us a lot. Like when you acknowledge that you were nauseous and then you took a break and you said, okay, why am I nauseous? Or does it matter? Maybe I just need a moment and your body solved the problem on its own and moved past it. But I think if we all became a little bit more self-aware about these things, it'd be dieting and eating and sleeping would be more intuitive. You know, it's just, I, I feel like there's such a limitation on like us feeling things other than happy and other than good all the time, or at least representing that to the general public that keeps us from listening to our own bodies and doing what we need to do. I love that. It's like Facebook posts, right? It's like, mm-hmm. if I'm not happy, I don't post. And I right. said, if you post a sad thing, you get a thousand likes. You post, oh, my, my partner just gave me this. So I just won the lottery. You get four likes. So people love hearing sad stories. So we try and pretend we're happy all the time. Meanwhile, sadness connects most people. Mm-hmm. Like, so if I want to be in front of an audience and I tell everyone how, what things in my life are great, I don't connect with them. But if I tell them that uh, my firstborn son died in 2013, he was born with special needs in 2004. Now people go like, how is he standing? Like, mm-hmm. Dr. Odiatu, how are you standing? I said, because he taught me the pres- how, how beautiful life is. His feet never touch the ground. Mm-hmm. So every time I get out of bed in the morning, it's like, oh man, another day. So I had to learn the lesson having a child pass away. The special needs, it was nine years of like hell. Mm-hmm. So, but if I start off a seminar with that, people connect with me, but I don't. Sometimes I don't even feel a need to because that's not how it's, because I can't get some people back up. Like I'll see some women in the front row, tears just like spurt out of their eyes because a child, he says his child died. Tears right. spurt out of his eyes and it's horribly sad, but it's been eight years. You can process emotion with good sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I have four good, ch- amazing children still alive and well, like four of them, like 14, 12, nine, and five. So that's what I, I, I count the blessings. I look at the lesson, I count the blessings. You know, I, I'm, and I, I see the story of Van Gogh and Van Gogh did some amazing things. Van Gogh, the painter, like he's probably the most successful painter in human history. I think um, Scream was, is worth like a billion dollars. Someone bought it for. He had an older brother die right before he was born. So his mom had a, a brother die. His mom went into depression, as you can imagine, with a baby die, not just stillborn, but die within days after birth. So whenever Van Gogh would talk, he would say, your brother was a saint or your brother was amazing if he had lived. You should imagine if your brother was. He went a little crazy because his mother would not let the brother who died go. 
So he became an OCD with his art and he went inside for his pain and he became one of the greatest painters. So his pain brought him a tremendous talent. He was so odd, he fell in love with someone and cut off his ear to show how much he loved her. Mm -hmm. One time he wanted to ask a girl out and he went to the father's house and said, I'm gonna hold it, my, my hand in this flame until you say I can have your daughter's hand to go out for the night. And the guy shut the door. But pain made him amazing. So I think we all try and avoid pain, mm -hmm. but I think most of us connect with pain. But I realize now that you can't have happy high notes. Like life is not just about rainbows and sugar plum fairies. Right. It's the oboe, it's the valley that makes the peak so amazing. And it's not cliche. So really, yeah. I celebrate life way more now having um, a child pass away because if your kids are all amazing and healthy, you start thinking, you know what? I wish my son would get an A plus. Um, I wish my son was alive. So mm. it's amazing how we, we, we want more and more. I wouldn't mind having the five kids alive, but the first guy passed away. But he's this mythical guy now for the rest of the kids. And they feel this sense of like, they know they have an older brother and Theo knows, the little one knows somewhat about him, but it's amazing how pain connects us. But mm -hmm. um, but if I, if I went there long enough, if I breathed how it was at his funeral, if I, if I started breathing how it was the night of his viewing when we had 50 people at this, um, uh, what do you call it? Like a, like a more, like not a winter, whatever it is, when in a funeral, cha funeral chapel. Yeah. It was a viewing night before the funeral, a viewing. They said with kids, open caskets the way to go because people never want to acknowledge the child is gone. So we have this little nine-year-old boy in this, casket like I, so as i go there now because i processed it my blood pressure doesn't go up and i don't have as much cortisol but i can increase my cortisol and blood pressure and platelets pretty quickly by thinking like that night you know until i saw one of the kids tell people as they came in did you want to see little jordy and they're like i'm not sure if i want to see him they'll come over here jordy's right here he's lying down mm. out of the mouths of babes you know yeah. but um that being said though if i just shared my happy stuff people think ooch must be nice born with horseshoes under his ass mm -hmm. well you want my worst day? Well, ooch, I wouldn't mind your worst day. What is it? Like your bicep doesn't peak? No, um, open casket, um, open casket at the viewing at the funeral home. Okay, maybe I don't want your worst day. Maybe I don't want your worst day. So, um, so that being said, the way I get out of that sad space, and even now telling you that story, I can I sense you got you're obviously you're human, so you sense my sadness. Mm -hmm. If you if you and I right now, we just took a deep, deep inhale through our nose, held it, and let it out. We immediately go from cortisol dominant to, to parasympathetic with one breath. So I can actually now think of the blessings. Um, I'm enjoying this conversation and that's healing now. But mm -hmm. if I kept, if I had a night of reminiscing about Jordan and drinking Jack Daniels, I could go in a pretty dark place, but I don't, you know, I still think of him. I, we have pictures here, but at the same time, the, the, the blessings take me to parasympathetic. The, ble the blessings take me to immune system health and slowing down aging. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing yes. that personal like experience. I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate that you said, you know, you can see the the gifts in all of it. And also that time was hell. Like you called it hell. It was clearly not fun. It was clearly very hard for you. Like acknowledging that is healthy, you know, and good and saying that and saying, and also there's all these blessings that I gained from it. And my kids and I share this unique experience and perspective, and it's given us this unique bond and, you know, that's and unique gratitude. I just think that's so cool and, and really appreciative that you just shared that story. Yeah, thank you. I, something I don't even talk, I, don't, I used to mention it uh, almost every time I spoke because I thought it was part of who I am. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of things who I am. Mm -hmm. I, I used to wear diapers, not yesterday, like <laughs> 50 years ago. So I have to show my diapers in my PowerPoint? 
Right. So just because something in your past, it can, it can be a part of your past, but it doesn't have to define you. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people make a sad thing define them. Mm-hmm. Or they say, I'm a former alcoholic, or I'm a divorced speaker, or I'm a blah, blah, blah. Like, am I Canadian? I don't know. I'm a human being first, for crying right. out loud. Like, right. uh, as a Canadian speaker, I'm a human, fr- I'm a human first. Right. I- I'm, am I a man? I'm a human first. Like, I'm, I'm a human first. I'm a, I'm a right. child of the universe first. Yeah. So I, I try not let a past thing define me. And it might sound, ooh, you're trying to be so evolved. But at some point, you want to think your life is evolving. Like, I don't want to be 85, cursing at traffic, slamming my horn, giving a finger to someone. I want, hopefully by 85, I'm like, Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> Strengthening my immune system. Look at that. I opened up a place that I can now go in the traffic. Because the traffic never opens up when you're angry. But you breathe deep. You can create space in the traffic. This is bizarre. You can create parking spaces. You can create space in the traffic. You can actually, and this is kind of cool. And I'm not sure where I read this. It was a book called The Executive Mystic. And it said, you can expand and contract time by how you breathe. I've heard Sting talk about it with sex, obviously, and a tantric sex, he called it. But if you're trying to expand time, you breathe slower. So if I'm thinking, wow, the plane leaves the ground at four o'clock. It's three o'clock. I got to be at customs at 3.20 to make it through. find a parking spot I I see myself on a plane gonna back into the parking spot oh look at that someone's welcoming me through oh oh, I got valet parking oh my god I forgot so that happens when you slow down and now I'm on the plane at four o'clock and it's leaving the ground thinking like okay how did that happen but if I'm swearing oh my god I can't believe this I'm phoning my assistant I'm going oh I forgot my stuff at home where's my passport I'm missing the plane Mm -hmm. so you can slow down time which by expand it which is slows down aging by breathing into your nose and being chill. So Bruce Lee, Kylie Jenner, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Barack Obama have something going on. Like they've managed to somehow slow down time by being chill and expansive. You know, you can tap into deeper things inside you. Yeah. Um, I, I find that, I find myself thinking that, you know, hygiene is one of those things where timing is everything for us. We are trying to accomplish so much within that shrinking hour. And I find myself now with my new patient really taking the time to just sit at the beginning, knee to knee and eye to eye. And, you know, sometimes I think like, I'll catch myself thinking, gosh, this is taking a really long time, but we're really building rapport and there's value. And thankfully I have enough autonomy in my practice to say, you know, we don't have enough time to do the, the therapy that's needed today, but we at least made this connection. We created a plan. We know where we're going. But I do kind of feel like what you're saying is when I really take the time and slow it down and then am really intentional and make that connection, it, it seems to work out at the end and I had enough time and it, it's, it's really cool. I totally I agree. I think it's more fulfilling too. Like I think those conversations with the patient, even though you might've got charting, maybe it's just a little bit of scaling on the lower. Cause if you do those lower six, people think you got something done. <laughs> and so, you know what? I really feel I got to know you and I really know you believe in total health. Yes. And um, you see now the value of your teeth. It's not just for selfies. You can see now that people who live longer keep their teeth longer. You see now that saliva is more than just wetting your whistle. Saliva has mm-hmm. a morphine-like substance called a purifin. And you, you, you didn't know that before we talked. You also realize that saliva has not only got digestive enzymes in, um, it's got little antibacterial qualities in, IgA. Okay? Mm-hmm. And you now see that um, that loose tooth at the back is, is not such a good thing. But you know what? I'm not going to judge you. I was on my own journey. And then as people go, I've, I feel, I've never, I'm 52 years old. I've never learned this before. I love you. And your name is, my husband has to see you or my kids have to come right. here. Right. Instead of like scaling madly and 
you got tartar on your screen, your, your, your butt is crazy, you gotta have another cup of coffee, a Red Bull, and it's not satisfying. You know, but, but having that Zen, I'm not gonna call them Kylie Jenner moments here. <laughs> that kind of Dwayne The Rock Johnson kind of slowing down time, it can become fulfilling. And, uh, yeah, for sure. More texture, more yeah. texture to the moment, more depth. Mm -hmm. So give us a few more examples, if you will, because I just think that you're brilliant of this at, at those chair side conversations. Because let me tell you what I see a lot of, and especially during this COVID time. I mean, I've noticed it. I've been practicing for 25 years and I've noticed it, you know, for a long time, but especially during COVID, you know, I'll see a patient that I've been seeing for years and they came in during this time and all of a sudden there's redness and inflammation and bleeding and pocketing. And, you know, I start talking about, you know, what's been going on. We're like, well, now I'm working from home and because I'm working from home, I can't turn it off. You know, like I'm working multiple hours. I'm not sleeping as well. You know, I've got all this going on. I'm trying to, you know, help the kids with their homeschool at the same time. And it's just stress. It's stress. And I cannot tell you how many times I've seen just the impact of stress change everything in their mouths. So, you know, obviously I'm having that conversation with the patient, but give us some tips, some, some good chair side conversations to have with these patients to really help kind of the light bulb moment go off and how we can truly be helping them. Yeah, there's so much, right? Because sleep could be a PhD thesis. Nutrition's a PhD. There's, there's conferences that all they do is focus on breath for three days. So you can, you can easily overwhelm a right. real estate agent right. or a bank manager. Um, and if you have a physician patient, just because they're doctors, they often think, hey, I understand health. And meanwhile, you know, you see the plaque or you see the, the gingivitis and things like that, not particularly to them, but people often think they know it all. So it's hard to teach a know-it-all. Right. But um, I think once you bring up the subject, I'm not, I'm not, there's no judgment here. I'm, I'm, I've had my own, as many of you say I've had my own challenges the past year, now you're here to hear. If you think, well, you're paying me, listen, but I've had my own challenge this year. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Let's focus on sleep. Uh, you seem like you're kind of drifting off when I was scaling. So like, what's going on? I'm, I'm barely getting six hours. Well, they're saying is at six hours, your immune system can't reboot each night. And no matter how good you are at flossing, no matter how good I am as a hygienist, mm -hmm. no matter what I do, you not sleeping is going to negatively impact the, the bleeding. And bleeding means there's inflammation. Inflammation means there's potential disease there. So what can I do? I want you to focus on that seven hour sweet spot. And you can, I sometimes, I quote books and it's amazing how I have a lot of books on my phone, a ton of them. I, I'd say I give out book ideas at least three or four times a day. People have gut problems, microbiome solution. Mm -hmm. People have sleep problems, why we sleep by Matthew Walker. If a, a real estate agent says I have no time to exercise, you need the one minute workout by Martin Gabala. And you don't, you don't think people are interested? Because right away, because most people think if you, Google, if you Google sleep books online, a hundred books come up and it's annoying trying to find but if they like how I look and feel, if they see I'm sincere and enthusiastic, they want to know the, what book I like. Mm -hmm. So Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Okay, um, okay, doc, I know it. I said, you know what? I've heard good books, but I never remember them. Why don't you do a screenshot? What's that? Well, let's do a screenshot right here. I said, oh, look at that. Let's look at your, let's look at how, when your, 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 your screen dims at nighttime. They go, what do you mean? I said, well, Apple, they want you to live a long time. So it's called night shift. So night shift on your phone means the, 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 the light dims at 10 o'clock and then it gets back up bright again at 6 a.m. Because if you look at your phone in the middle of the night, so I know you're a busy mom or dad, and I said, I know you care about your kids, what you're gonna do is you can actually program it. So if you wake up at three o'clock in the morning as your teenager comes in, it doesn't wake up your brain. And they go, how come I don't know that? I said, well, you're, you're learning it here. You know, we're all about total health here at this office. Dr. Diacho, I was gonna say, the things I learn are really mind blowing. And I know you have all the latest, stuff here, 
but it's, it's what you what I learn every time. I really can't wait to come here. Anyway, so we programmed our phone. So night shift comes on at not 10, gets up at six. And I said, this is the book I was talking about. And I'll show her a book I like, like Diet Myth or One Minute Workout. And um, that's a chair side teachable moment. And because you look healthy, Krista, like you look super healthy. I would listen to what you, what you talked about. If you said, these are probably the three fruits that will give you the biggest bang for your buck, avocado, blueberries, and kiwi. Guess what? If you look healthy, I'm trying them. But right. if you don't look healthy, guess what? I might not try them. Right. So if you look like Elvis Presley right before he died, I'm not going to take his diet advice. <laughs> I'm not going to take right. ET's. I'm not going to take ET's skincare um, <laughs> strategy. So if someone looks good or has energy, I want to know what you're reading, what you're eating. But I'm not going to ask you if you. And if, if someone, that's why a lot of times we don't feel authentic sharing health stuff at chair side because we ourselves aren't healthy. Mm-hmm. How many healthcare providers have tons of? old fillings, bleed, bleeding, they don't floss, mm-hmm. um, they don't eat vegetables, they have all these likes and dislikes, they don't sleep themselves, and you're trying to give out health advice, right. people are totally not even listening. Right. Yep. It, it, I'm sorry, like, but if I, and, and again, no judgment, but if I, but about 25 years ago, I weighed 220 pounds. Mm-hmm. So I had a pretty big belly. My skin did look gray. I had the double chin. I didn't sleep well, big gray bags, use visine throughout the day, and, um, I bet you when I told health advice, I think people just kind of were watching TV. But yeah. now they hear you in your 50s, they go, Doc, can I ask you a question? You're not lying, right? You have a five-year-old? Okay, what's your, they want to know. Like if you're doing something they want to do. Remember I had this discussion about a dad bod with this 38-year-old guy. And he goes, you know, I'm, I'm in my 30s, I got three kids. You know, I'm allowed to have a dad bod. I said, well, I'm in my 50s, I got four kids. Let's get out of here. He goes, I don't see the dad bod. I said, well, this is the book I read. He goes, tell me the book. As you know, what, I'll send you this article that I just wrote on interval training. That's a that's a value. That's an added on. That's an add on. Mm-hmm. That's an add on as a dentist. Like, and they trust you. They right. trust you. So well, it's, people, what's that? So sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I was just thinking people have built in bullshit detectors, and they can see, you know, the outcomes of the way that you've been living. They can see the evidence there, you know. And like, when is anyone ever said, "Do as I say, not as I do," and you've actually done it? Yeah. You know, like, I feel like it doesn't, it doesn't work. Like it has to be that, like doing it by example, like you're right. I want to know what people are doing with great skin. Like, I'm like, where do you go? What do you do? You know, what's your skincare routine type of thing? You ask people who are living it. Halle Berry, how do you look like that at 54? Right. You know, um, uh, I don't know if anyone who is doing something well, like, and again, I, I bring up the Jenners. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but as a mom, Kris Jenner, she's working with four kids. Is it four kids, five kids? Oh, she has six kids, right? With Kylie and uh, Kendall. But she created an empire. There's no, there's no acting, no dancing, no singing. How do you create an empire? Right. She, I would say her advice to help a business would be worth $10,000 every 30 minutes because if dentists come home, I'm not that busy. If you told Kris Jenner as a dentist, I'm not that busy, she'd go, give me a few minutes. This is what I would do. Immediately, so she's resourceful with stuff. I think um, her husband, uh, the Kardashian, the lawyer who, who defended OJ, died early. He didn't leave them with much money. He died of stomach cancer. Um, he, was, he had years of reflux with a GI problem, never actually got it addressed, so esophageal cancer. And um, so she was left with very little except connections and some friends, which, you know, um, Elvis Presley had connections and friends, but he didn't last a long time, right? So she had connections and friends, and she created an empire, empires, empires out of nothing like so i'm just saying 
I can be this cerebral guy, but I can still admire someone who seems to be doing pretty well. <laughs> like, oh my God. So um, there's someone I'd ask, can I ask you a question? How do you create something out of nothing? That would be a good person to ask. I would listen to her advice on business for sure. Nice. I mean, Uche, you are like the biggest wealth of knowledge and information ever. I feel like we could talk for days on what you, what you're passionate about and you're so good at communicating it and, and really making other people excited about it. I mean, I've, we're listening to you, but I'm like taking notes. I'm going to order why we sleep when I'm get off this call. Like, you know, I just think it's amazing. And so, um, tell us just so we know a little bit, what are you up to next? What, what are you doing right now? What are, what's going on? Where, how can we follow you? Uh, right now I'm writing a book for the ADA, believe it or not. The ADA, um, has kind of got me this book. I'm, it, I can't tell too much about it, but it's going to be coming out later on this year. Um, I'm writing articles. I'm, I'm speaking live in person in the fall, hopefully. I got a whole bunch of things booked, like about 12 events. Um, I'm working out. I'm doing, I found a yoga studio. The yoga studio is just opened in our area. So I'm going to get back into yoga and in, in, like in live hot yoga. Um, today is a Sunday, a chill day. So in terms of what am I up to? taking care of myself. And I think the more I take care of myself, the better I am for others. I think most of us, we wear our burnout on our sleeves. Like, oh, I barely sleep. I have no time for myself. I'm such a good mom. Really? I'm such a good dad. I work 70 hours a week. I barely have time. I don't even know. Or I'm a dentist. I have four offices. I don't even know the names of all my patients or names of all my staff. Really? So I think taking time to be centered, like Eckhart Tolle talks about, like the power of now adds more texture to the moment. And every time I, 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 read and I'm, I like to look at what the, the timeless wisdom they said all our powers right now like mm-hmm. the, for the three of us everything you and I can do on any part is, is what is right now mm-hmm. so by being present slows down aging by being present I breathe deeper by being present I'm more aware I'm processing motion my immune system works better by being present that's what I'm working on right now like I really enjoyed this conversation you guys are amazing like I'm I'm not sure how long this your podcast has been on for but like the background, the level of professionalism, great questions. Like, you know, I do a lot of these and like really good questions. I love the, the back and forth. It's nicely timed. You got good, you got good stuff out of me, mm-hmm. you know? So I appreciate that very much. So um, I know what you're going to do well, no matter how this, how, you know, no matter where this, this uh, vehicle for you goes, like. Thank sure. you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's an honor to have you here. I'm really excited to learn more about you. And I'm really thankful that I got to interact with you and Teresa and got we both got to hang out with you for the this time. Um, I have two questions that I want to ask you before we end this thing. And one is, will you take a screenshot of your bookshelf and send it to Teresa so that she can send it to me? Okay, I have so many cool books. I've actually, believe it or not, I'm really into books having energy. People talk about when you, if you're a Christian and you have a crucifix, on a wall, mm-hmm. you don't have to stare at it every day, but it's there. Mm-hmm. Or having a Bible, you may not open it up, but it has energy. Like a, that, that book, like thousands of years and how many lives and thought went into it. Like it has an energy, just like your favorite pen has energy or mm-hmm. um, it, it, a, a picture has energy for you. So I mean, and people are often surprised, they, Uche, have you read all these? No, but they start looking at them and going, oh, you read that one. Cause when I read, mm-hmm. I kind of highlight, I underline, I dog ear pages. Mm-hmm. but this is um, p- part of who I am, like the reading, what I've done. And I, I get a sense of my personal history and also where I'm going. Like, and, I, and it's you, the three of us could read the same book and get completely different messages out of it. So there's never just one book called Why We Sleep. There's never just one book called uh, The Power of Now. It means something different to you and to you. So, but I think this, I, I'll screenshot, but I could tell you, I don't know, this, 
I have so many books here that I could totally get excited about. Like there's one called Eat, Drink and Be Merry by Walter Willett. It's uh, mm -hmm. um, Younger Next Year is incredible. Yes. Uh, there's another one called um, You Can Heal Yourself by uh, Louise Hay. Have you heard of that one? I haven't. Can, no, I haven't. It's 1987. This lady's passed away, but you can heal your you can heal your life. It's all about again becoming more mindful, but also about how every ailment, every physical ailment has an emotional component. But most people try and heal their physical ailments with physical mm -hmm. tools, which yeah. never gets to the root cause. There's always a root cause under many of these physical ailments. Yeah. So you can heal life is looking at the emotional, and again, which is it evidence based? It's funny. I love my dentist friends, but they say, "What's the evidence behind that?" And it's funny because as a dentist, and I'm, I know, I know what they're going to be listing. They'll, they'll, they'll say, um, if I ask one dentist, ask me one time, what's the reference for interval training? Why is interval training better than steady state? Tell me the journal. And I said, how long have you been a dentist for? He goes, 40 years. I said, could you name three journal articles that you based your last 40 years of career on? Which most dentists go like, I don't know. So why are you asking me? My side hustle, my fun part, I know a ton of journals by, by heart. And you could name one journal that you based your your career life on, and most dentists can't. I, and I used to, one of them, like, we just take a lot of things at face value. Oh, that speaker said that bonding agent's good, so I bought it. So you, do you, why ask me if the evidence-based behind you can heal your life when right. this lady's helped thousands of people heal? Just mm -hmm. buy the book, if you don't like it, give it back, you know? So mm -hmm. I think we get stuck, I, I'm a big believer in evidence-based, but we got so stuck in it. And then all of a sudden I said, why'd you buy that panelist? Who oh, the guy down the street did. Really? So how much did you do? Did you do much research? No, I just trust him. Yeah, the so, evidence-based thing can become a stumbling block, I think. It can be, even though, yes, we practice evidence-based decision-making every single day, and it should be that way, but I think that it can be in the way, you know, an anecdotal longitudinal experience counts for something, and the evidence speaks for itself, you know, and I love that you just said the emotional, there's an emotional root to, like, disease and, like, illness and all that stuff, because I 100% believe like dis-ease, like disease, you know, I think there's a lot of like rooted, deep rooted stuff that people don't deal with and it becomes different things too. I think that could be a whole podcast in and of itself. Hey, um, I'll come back on. I'll come back on. Yeah. Well, I want to talk to you about like different things like SIBO and yeast overgrowth and like all kinds of, I have so many questions actually for you. Dear to my heart. <laughs> to my heart. And then, okay. Bacteria should be in the large intestine. People don't realize out of the hundred trillion, out of the hundred trillion single cell organisms in the body, about 98% are in the large intestine. Oh, most of them in the large intestine. You have, okay. well, you, have, you have trillions on your skin, but most of them are in your large, large intestine. That's the, that was the biggest hardworking ones at all in the large intestine. And it takes 16 hours to go through that five feet. Wow. And that's where the body makes one of the most potent anti-inflammatory agents the body makes. It's called short chain fatty acids. And when your bacteria, and this is, I'm sorry, this is, I just got to leave people with this because this is my, I get emotional when I talk about avocados. So when bacteria <laughs> ferment, Fiber, when bacteria ferment fiber, they make short chain fatty acids. And I've seen three different resources now, um, Scientific American, um, uh, Emron Mayer, gastroenterologist out of California, said short chain fatty acids are one of the most potent anti-inflammatory natural agents the body makes. Which means if, I, if my body's making short chain fatty acids, it can put out lots of fires. So mm -hmm. we need fiber in our lives. Immunologists, microbiologists talk about the value of fiber. They go on and on about it. However, you know how few people have the right amount in every day? 3%. Wow. This is where it's like 3%. So, so out of 100 patients, out of 100 dentists, out of 100 hygienists, out of 100 assistants, only three eat the recommended amount of fiber. So 25 grams a day for women, 
35 for men. And because only three are pumping out anti-inflammatory agents, what I extrapolated from that is it's impossible for the 97% of people in North America to be healthy. Because mm. if, you if your body is not making short-chain fatty acids, now you've got to rely on ibuprofen and NSAIDs, and you have open to disease, gingivitis, periodontitis, hepatitis, pancreatitis, cancer, diabetes. And people are full of diseases, dying, um, rosacea, eczema, psoriasis, all inflammatory conditions because we're starving our bacteria of fiber. Mm. So that if we could end there, if I had an avocado, I would kiss it right now because an avocado has got 10 grams of fiber. It would double most people's fiber content in a day because the adult is 12 grams a day. So the, moral of the, story, the moral of the story is go to sleep and then wake up and eat an avocado and read a I love that. Yes. I love that. Uche, I will say that I think it was maybe two years ago at Hinman, you were talking, or no, it was at AOSH uh, up in Tennessee. That, that was a big takeaway for me is how much fiber I should have. So that's, I've really, I've stuck to that because that's so important. And that came from you. So thank you. Well, it's, it's simple. Like an avocado is a buck 49, you know, and then I'll, I'll hear someone say, it's not rather expensive. Um, you say you bill 600 bucks an hour, you know, dollar 49, like for crying out loud. So, so, so health should be simple. And I love, there's a movie called Philadelphia with Denzel Washington. Yes. And he said, um, I'm not sure if he said, talk to me like I'm in grade two, but talk to me. Like if you can explain something and make it simple, you really understand it. Yes. And I think what the sad thing, when you, when you get smarter and smarter with more degrees, we often, we intellectualize. Mm -hmm. And after six hours, people leave going, I don't know where to start. And I got to go take her three day retreat to understand that. So like, I'm, I'm saying if people never see me again, if they never hear us, the three of us again, they have enough from this program yes. to like, have a kick butt last 10 years. Yeah. You know? If yeah. not, have a great lip gloss from Kylie Jenner. I didn't get paid for that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And a tequila shot from The Rock, you know. So, nice. <laughs> so Uche, where can people find you? What's your social media? Where, where can, where can okay. I follow my Facebook's you? Kind of, my Facebook is full. Like I, I, I need to open up, have a business page. It's full. So Instagram, you have unlimited, right? Unlimited. So I post three or four times a day. So my name is just at fit speakers. So it's fit speakers, one word. Okay. And um, I, it's open. So anyone can join. And I, people send me direct messages, like probably eight times a day. I answer because what it does is it, it puts, it puts my, it puts my finger on the pulse. So when someone asks me, Uch, what's a good book for my son? He wants to become a dentist, but he's not quite sure, you know, his dad is a dentist. And I said, there's a really good book called the purpose of your life. And I'll, and if, and I answer that now this book is in forefront of my mind for another person down the road. Mm -hmm. So I, when I, I, when people, I answer questions on direct message on Instagram, it, it puts my, my finger on the pulse of what people want. Cause many times as thought leaders, we give, we dump information out to an audience, mm -hmm. but by, by getting direct messages all week and month, I know people are interested in the biome or they're interested in sleep or they're interested in sleep hacks, or they want to know about orange glasses or do I need to have organic avocado? Or can I do conventionally grown? So I, I get into that space of that consciousness. So it's not just me, you know, dumping out what I know. It's like, I got my finger on the pulse. Like even with the questions that you're asking me and when you guys lean in and when you guys kind of glaze over a bit, I realize, okay, that's not such an interesting sound. <laughs> <laughs> I don't take it personally. I don't take it personally. I don't think there was much glazing though. Okay. Uh, very interesting yeah. talking to you. Really, okay. really appreciate your insight and your feedback yes. and your professionalism and your uh, all the, the keys and the uh, simple ways to implement 
you know, things on a day-to-day -day basis. Really appreciate that you made it very user-friendly and I got a lot of takeaways and I am definitely going to continue prioritizing sleep. And you've, you motivated me, to, you motivated me to take like a hundred deep breaths during this conversation too. Every time you said breathe, I was like, so, um, so I just am like, you brought some awareness to me personally. I'm sure you did to Teresa too. So thank you so much for being here with us and spending a piece of your Sunday with us. We really appreciate it. And we are definitely going to stay connected with you in the future and follow what you're doing. And, and thanks for being a, a pillar for uh, being a little countercultural and unconventional in a good way. And um, yeah, bringing great thoughts to the table. So yeah, like we could, we, once a month we could do it. Like I think the more, the more this stuff gets out, mm -hmm. the easier it is to understand. Like mm -hmm. even though this, this, this hour could be like a crazy hour for anyone, like hygienist, dentist talking, talking about stuff. This is like a cool hour for many people. Like we totally simplified so many things, good mm -hmm. questions. We interacted, but people will now want more, right? Right. You give them a lot now; they want more. But mm -hmm. and there's always more. But yeah, let's just in a month. Let's do it again. Or I'm I'm really good on the fly. Like it's so last minute cancellation. If I'm at an airport and I'm at a gate, where did you get on a flight? Mm -hmm. I'll do an hour. I got That's my new good. I got my new nice. twelve mega like shoebox size phone. I Perfect. could do a, I could do a, a last minute like replacement if if you need me. So. So that being said, listeners, this is not the last you're going to hear from Uche on our show for sure. So thank you so much for your time. And um, yeah, we look forward to talking to you in the future. Awesome. Yeah, likewise. likewise. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you.